and then started going, well, what's going on here? And then got to the finish line and asked people who I went over from New Zealand with and ended up the women in the high hormone phase had issues and women in the low hormone phase did not. Wow. So that kind of was like, okay, there's something really important here because this is, you know, on a race course and these things are happening and no one could have the answers. Welcome to the Beck and Siri Show. And here at Team Series Tri Club, it's not just about swim, bike, run. It's about who you become. On our show, we don't just talk to you about swimming, cycling, and running. We talk about mindset. We talk about fearless authenticity and being your very best self. Hey there, Cam here from Team Sirius. This week on the podcast, we're lucky enough to have Dr. Stacey Sims, author of Raw, innovator and entrepreneur in human performance, specifically sex differences in training, nutrition, and environmental conditions. To find out a little bit more about Stacey, you can go to her website at drstacysims.com. Hello, everybody. Hope you can hear me. I am actually a little nervous today because I uh, idolize the person we're about to um, bring on to our live chat. She's amazing. Uh, so what I'm going to try and do, guys, is bring on this incredible uh, Dr. Stacey Sims onto our live chat. Um, before I do that, I want to introduce this incredible uh, female doctor. She's an exercise physiologist and nutritionalist. She's actually competed in the Hawaii Ironman as well. And she's an expert in women's health. Um, when I heard about this woman, and I remember the quote that women are not small men, which is so true, and even more so after listening to her and audiobook, uh, Roar, a top-selling, uh, she's also obviously a top-selling author, this book, Roar book has just gone viral, and I think most women on this um, live chat have listened to a book. If you haven't, buy it. It's absolutely incredible, and there's not enough um, you know, studies done on women and women athletes. Um, it's always done on men. But Stacey is very well known um, in the female sporting and female health and fitness area. She is highly sought after, and we feel so incredibly lucky to have Dr. Sims on our live chat today. So you guys, um, we have a lot of questions to get through, um, and I'm going to give her a quick call now, get her on here, and I'm so excited to have her. So you guys, uh, you can put your questions up here. Give us the thumbs up again, you guys, if you can hear me. I want to make sure you guys can all hear me really, really well. So Hello. Hey, Dr. Sims. I'm sorry, as usual, technical difficulties. So I'm going to put you on speaker and have you on our live chat um, just via voice only, which is a bit of a bummer, but I'm sure they can all hear you. <laughs> yeah, I can see you and I'm on the Facebook page. but Okay, I know. And I think it might be because I'm going from my actual laptop today because I wanted to make it clearer. Um, and yeah, but we'll put you we'll put you on the speaker. And if it if anything changes, if we can work out, Cam can work out how to get you one. We'll switch it over. But right now, I've got you uh, on my phone um, just with the voice. So thank you so much for coming on. We're so excited to have you. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. This is fun. Wow. And so I was just introducing you. I mean, I definitely probably did not do it justice. Exercise, nutrition, uh, so exercise physiology and nutritionalist as well. Um, your famous book, Roar, that's gone completely viral. I think every single person in our club has read that now. I finished the audio book recently. And, um, you know, remembering that quote that women are not little, not small men, I just thought I have to, I have to meet this lady. So thank you, Stacey. Thank you so much. Our athletes are so excited to have you. Um, so we have a lot of questions to get through, but I would love to hear just how you got into this. It's definitely a niche, 
um, sort of area. And I think that you've just become a complete guru when it comes to, you know, uh, women and health and fitness and performance. And I'd love to hear a little bit about how you got into this. Yeah, so, um, gosh, I've been doing this kind of stuff for 20-some-odd years, and now it's finally getting traction, which is fantastic. Wow. Um, but just because I was a curious athlete at the onset of academia, and I had the opportunity, and asking questions of, you know, why things weren't working for me and my teammates, and, and not getting any kind of answer, mm-hmm. or being told that women are too difficult to study, we don't do anything on women, um, and then when I got into Ironman racing and I was on Kona, Amazing. and had issues with Wait, rewind, guys. This woman also raced the Hawaii Ironman. We all know how bloody hard that is to qualify, so that is incredible. Congratulations. Thanks. <laughs> um, so I came up with my PhD topic when I was racing there because I got to the turnaround of Javi mm-hmm. and was really hyponatremic. Yes. Um, and then started going, well, what's going on here? And then got to the finish line and asked people who I went over from New Zealand with and ended up the women in the high hormone phase had issues and women in the low hormone phase did not. Wow. So that kind of was like, okay, there's something really important here because this is, you know, on a race course and these things are happening and no one could have the answers. And wow. um, yeah, so wow. push me forward. That's amazing, and it's crazy that you say that because I actually suffered both times. Well, I did Kona several times, but I did suffer from hyponatremia as well and complete heat exhaustion, and I've just had an athlete come back, Melissa, um, who's a two-time duathlon world champion, suffered again from that, and it's incredible that, you know, you experience it yourself and then you delve deep into, you know, the whys behind it, and so many women have these problems. So is there anything specific um, that you can offer for our guys that have suffered? Because that is one of their big questions today was about that heat exhaustion, hyponatremia, and hyperkalemia. I believe that is that calcium? Something to do with calcium? I'm not sure. You're the expert. But um, is there, what would be your, your you know, top um, tips on prevention and um, preparing for that? Well, first, um, we got to understand that there are differences in sodium and fluid responses, especially with endurance exercise, mm-hmm. because we hear about, you know, um, all these different mechanisms for drinking, but women and men are specifically different. So if you take a man and a woman and put them through an Ironman course and give them the same nutrition and training and everything, mm-hmm. uh, the man would finish with higher blood sodium levels than a woman. The woman would finish with either normal blood sodium or lower. Yeah. But all the guidelines and everything from what to drink, how to drink, what to eat, are all based on men, right mm-hmm. down to like that 90 grams of carbohydrate per hour. Right. So we specifically look at women, there's a few things to consider. What phase of the menstrual cycle you're in, or if you're peri or postmenopause, or if you're on an OCP, because every one of those conditions changes fluid balance, thirst, and sodium levels. Um, so it's not as easy as saying, okay, just do this. So if you're in a low hormone phase, then you're more like a man and you can afford to you know, have a little bit less sodium. If you're in the high hormone phase, this is where we sit very close to that clinical hyponatremia. So we have to be very careful that what we eat and drink have sodium in it, not relying on salt tablets or electrolyte tablets because Good. those don't work. Um, and then when we get into peri and postmenopause, our thirst sensation is completely muted. 
Huh. Uh, and so we have to be very careful and considerations of we have to drink more on a schedule. So it's not like a huge amount of fluid every 15 minutes, but it's more that sip, sip, sip. And to make sure that what you're drinking is functional. Mm-hmm. So it's lower carbohydrate, higher um, electrolyte content. And then what you're eating also has sodium and um, and some electrolytes in it. So it's none of that carbo pro crap. It's none of the, you know, liquid calorie stuff because those do not work for women. Wow. Okay, so what would your go-to fueling be um, product-wise that you can recommend? Um, so hydration, any, you know, I'm, I'm very biased towards the Noon products because I've been working closely with them for so long. Mm-hmm. So the Noon Endurance line or you go with Scratch or mm-hmm. the SOS Hydrate or Osmos, all of those lower carbohydrate, higher electrolytes because those are functional hydration. And then food. It's not about, you know, eating the same thing throughout the entire course. It's knowing that the longer you're out there, the more you become dehydrated and the harder it is to digest things. Exactly. So it's looking at trying to start solid and work your way to myself. So on the bike, you're eating real food. It could be, you know, easy um, bars or sandwich bites or sweet potatoes with salt on it. Um, something that's easy to digest, easy to chew, and then as you get towards the end of the bike and on the run, looking at like um, you know, the energy blocks, mm-hmm. glucose tablets, um, pretzels, anything that's really easy to you know, you know, one two bite and it's gone. Right. Exactly. Um, and yeah, so it, it is knowing that things change as you're out there for a longer period of time, but you don't want to rely on that liquid calorie aspect. Well, thank you so much, Stacey, because really it's so hard to find a really um, a decent sports nutritionalist that's experienced in endurance sports and in women. So I just felt like you've been just a light that we've needed for so long when it comes to this, because as you always say, we're not small men. So I know my guys are just, this is just incredible information for them. Um, and yeah, if you guys will have any more questions about that, guys, with fueling, um, put them on the, the live chat right now. But Stacey, if you don't mind, I'm going to move to another question because we have about 30 and I don't want to hold you up for too long. We, I know how busy you are and how sought after you are. So I might go to a couple of questions um, that our athletes have written in on. Yeah, go for it. So this one I love because I'm 41. I feel 21, but I'm 41. And I, I really resonate with this question. And one lady's asking, she's 68 years old, and she says, belly fat question. Why does it magically appear 15 years later? I did not do hormone replacement or any other therapy. I don't take any medication. I'm 68. I sailed through menopause without any issues, and then she said her, her diet's basically gluten-free and dairy-free, which doesn't give you a lot of information. But um, and how how can what can she can she do to reduce the belly fat? Yeah, so it's an aspect of aging as well as menopause. So we know that when you drop off those hormones, you lose a, a stimulus for developing lean mass. So mm-hmm. estrogen is very critical for stimulating that protein development at the basal level of the cell. And it takes more protein and higher stress from exercise or resistance training plyometrics to get that anabolic stimulus to build lean mass and lose body fat. The other thing that we know is that as you age, there's a a discrepancy that happens between um, fat storage and fat uptake. And unfortunately, we start to store more than we actually use. So Mm -hmm. it creeps up. 
Um, so the way to change it, really, and to start losing that belly fat is altering the stress of your exercise. So you have to put in more high intensity and more resistance type heavy lifting, plyometric type work. Um, mm -hmm. And you have to really make sure that you're getting a good source of protein after training. So we know that it's around 40 grams for postmenopausal women in order to get the same kind of stimulus that 30 grams work in a premenopausal woman. And that's straight after within the workout, like 15 minutes? Yeah, 15 to 30 minutes, yep. Wow. So that your body can really get that, that brain feedback mechanism to start building the lean mass and start reducing the storage of fat. Wow. And, it, and it's kind of a catch-22 too because I know, and it's crazy. I, honestly, Raw, I was obsessed with Raw. I listened to it in within two days. I was mucking my horse poop, hundreds of horse. We had 20 rescue horses on our property, and I did not stop listening to it. I was obsessed, and I'm taking notes, taking notes, taking notes. I was like, God, I actually need to really go in here and start to adjust a little bit of my more mature athletes. And a lot of them have said, I want to do strength training. I've been against it in the past, and I've literally changed what I give them now thanks to you, and they're already reaping the benefits. My other concern has been, though, that when you are a little older and a little bit more prone to niggles and injuries and plyometrics can be, you know, the typical, what I remember as plyometrics, um, feels like it can be a little dangerous for that age. So how do you balance kind of the not getting injured, the heavy lifting? Um, there's obviously certain exercises you'd recommend, and then the plyometric stuff, like how do you do that for more mature age athletes, especially women, when they could have, like, niggles with knees and things like that? Yeah, yeah. So um, when we think about it, it's like the resistance training, heavy resistance training could start with body weight, right? Because we want to get all the functional movement and the ligaments and everything around the joint strong as well. Mm -hmm. And then once you build that base and, you know, it can start with body weight and then it can start to get a bit heavier as you get stronger, then you add in some of the plyo work so that you have that strong foundation around the joint. And the plyo can be counter jump movement. So it could be standing on the bottom um there in your house and jumping down and jumping back up. So mm -hmm. that's kind of a, a, the beginning of the plyo work. So it's not like burpee box jumps and, yeah. and rebound and all the stuff <laughs> that we think about when we're thinking about Crossfit. 20 or 30 year olds. I mean, you could, but if you wanted, but don't jump into it right away. You yeah. have to build that foundation first. Yep. Um, but one of the critical things for um, older women is that bone mass as well as the lean mass. And we know that different stress from jumping in different directions for 10 minutes three times a week mm -hmm. is all you need. Mm -hmm. So that jumping is that it could be um, you know, squat jump. So your air squat jump up land, air squat jump up land, or jumping lunges, switching feet, um, jumping off a stair, and then rebound jumping. So it's, it's a stress, but it's not that total, like, high-intense type plyometric work that we think of. Got it. Now, I want to ask you a question because that sounds exactly like what um, has been studied now. Um, we have a, what's called an osteo-strong. It's an osteo-strong center, and they're opened all over the U.S. and the world now. They started a few years ago, and the guy who invented it um, invented it looking at the bone density of gymnasts, seeing that they need to put 4.2 times their body weight to actually cause the osteoblast to produce more so the bone density increases and the myofibril density increases. And we've just started with Marinda Carfrey's just started doing it. And she's been incredibly, has been incredibly beneficial. Have you heard of OsteoStrong? Because it does sound very similar to what you're asking to do. And there is less risk with injury doing that. 
Um, so, no, this is the first time I've heard of osteostrong, but we have a research group here that's looking specifically at the peri and postmenopausal group and yeah. how are we going to increase and see how are we are going to increase yeah. the lean mass and that kind of stuff. So, we're looking at women who are overweight training, not that, that public burden disease group that needs to lose weight, but mm-hmm. people already have um, the stress from running, and we know that mm-hmm. running isn't good enough. So, how are we going to alter the stress without yeah. inducing injuries? Um, so, yeah, now I'm going to have to look and see what he's doing. You should doing look it up. Yeah. I will. Because Tim yeah, O'Donnell was doing it too. Finding. Yeah, and it's okay. incredible. Um, Tony Robbins just invested in the company. We have one in Boulder, and basically it's a static hold on a leg press, sort of a bent-over type row, a lat pull-down, and a chest press, and it's just pressure on the bone. There's no pain. It's 10 seconds, and it causes the osteocytes to be built. So it actually reverse, reverse ages you. So they've seen clients with you know, um, osteoporosis where their, their bone density is increased even as a 70-year-old and the myofibril density increases. That's why I was going to ask you because um, we can go on to the next question, but I think it's something that you might be even be interested in looking at. Yeah, I yeah. like it. Thanks. Yeah, cool. no, cool. <laughs> I actually got Gabe's got to send some information. She might oh, be out yeah. That's great. I feel awesome. I'm um, always looking to learn. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, okay, so now the next question. The pre-period protocol includes taking a lot of supplements, including zinc. Um, I think she said your suggestion was 45 milligrams. She wanted to clarify, is there any danger in taking too much zinc? Um, so the thing about zinc and magnesium is, um, is that your body uses it to build the uterine tissue. So we, we are in a, a, a dearth of storage in that high hormone phase. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't like I wouldn't go 100, but I mean 50, you know, because mm-hmm. a lot of the tablets are in 15 to 25 milligram doses. Yep. But you don't mm-hmm. want to OD. No, you don't <laughs> want to take too much. No ODing, guys. No, ODing's never good. Um, okay, yeah. awesome. Thank you. Yeah, and I find yeah. that um, the, the magnesium powder I take, um, Calm, you'll probably cringe at that, but I take a magnesium powder and it really helps me yeah. sleep at night and relaxes the muscles. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. It's great. Awesome. And, my and we're mom- all, with all deficient in magnesium, just the way Western diets go. Right. Okay, guys. Well, there you go. That's a great tip. Um, all right. Next question. Um, this comes from one of your, your incredible book, Roar. Um, the protein-carb ratio post-workout, Roar suggests 25 grams of protein. How much carbs should we have? So it's, it's a little bit of, like, you don't have to have them together. The idea of the protein within 30 minutes is twofold. One, we need to stop that breakdown state as fast as we can, and protein does that. And mm-hmm. we know that the longer a woman stays in that catabolic state, the more she has endocrine dysfunction. Right. So it's a protein that's critical. The other thing is with that protein right after exercise, it opens the window for carbohydrate replacement um, from maybe 45 minutes to two hours. Oh. But if you're looking at, like, what do I need from a ratio point, I wouldn't be so so much of a stickler because some people are like, oh, a three to one where you need three carbs and one protein, so it would be 25 protein to 75 carbs. It's really hard to manipulate macronutrients, so just think, mm-hmm. okay, well, if I have some yogurt or if I have, uh, like, you know, a protein shake or something afterwards, it might have a little bit of carb, but you can top up the carbohydrate because you've just opened that window up. That's amazing. That's, I did not know that. And I did nutrition yeah. as well, so awesome. Okay. And it's more important, so, too, I re- remember reading, um, listening to about your aminos before a really hard, like, strength or hard workout and then post, getting those in as well. Yeah. 
So it's not about, so the, the pre is not about, you know, getting amino acids cool high from muscle protein synthesis. The pre is more about getting more leucine in the brain to counter tryptophan and serotonin, which makes you kind of lose your mojo. Oh. When estrogen goes up, it activates or attaches to the same receptor sites, and we know that leucine counters that. So if you want to have more of that, you know, that focus and that cognition and that mojo, you take some branched-chain amino acids or proteins beforehand to counter it in the brain. And then after is about that muscle protein synthesis because, again, for women, the MPS starts in the brain because you have to have a certain amount of leucine to trigger mTOR activation in the brain to feed back to the muscle to then get the um, muscle protein synthesis activation in the muscle. Or right. then it doesn't have to start the brain, it has to start the muscle. That's crazy. We are very different, aren't we? I didn't even really realize we it. <laughs> we are not small men. Okay. We are not. Thank you. Okay. Now, this one, I'm actually going to skip that one because it might be a little bit too deep a question. Um, women maximizing their training to fit in with their menstrual cycle. You talked about this a lot um, in Raw, so whoever has asked this question might need to go back and listen to that. But um, how basically what, to, what are your go-to tips for maximizing um, our, our training um, during our cycle? Yeah, so I get this question a lot. I don't want anyone to think that there's a negative point in their cycle. Okay. What I want people to think is you have a training and you can maximize training and then there's performance. So in training, we don't want to necessarily use any intervention. So when we think about the menstrual cycle, it's a low hormone phase where your estrogen progesterone is low. This is where you can hit it hard. You can do that high intensity work and recover well. You have your mojo. Around ovulation, some women feel fantastic, and that's where you can hit it hard again. But other women don't, so mm -hmm. it might be 36 hours afterwards. Mm -hmm. And then the week after ovulation, um, you can still do some higher intensity, but it's the longer, so it's not quite that top end stuff. Mm -hmm. And then about five to days, five to seven days before your period starts, this is more maintenance. And I tell people that this is a really fantastic time to work on um, running drills, swimming drills, techniques, mm -hmm. that kind of stuff, yeah. because your body is a little bit tired from a physiological standpoint. Mm -hmm. So if you're learning and nailing skills when your body is tired, mm -hmm. that when it's not, you have it. You know, you're like, go, go. Amazing. But if you're going to be looking at a race in that high hormone phase, this is where you put in the specific interventions, where you're using branched-chain amino acids, you're using plasma volume expanders from sodium. So all of those things can level the playing field so that when you hit the start line, you don't go, oh, shit, you know, my period's getting ready to start. I'm compromised. Mm -hmm. I'm aware of what's happening. I put in these interventions so that I can hit the mark and be fantastic. Wow. That's amazing. And what about, what about, um, I, I know I used to do this. I don't know if it's good or bad. I used to take like a few extra pill tablets so that I didn't get my period on race day. There, are there side effects to that? You want your period on race day. I used to delay it. So if it was due on the race day, I'd just keep taking my, my pill until after the race so that I delayed my period a few days. Yeah, I know. I hear a lot of people who are manipulated. So uh, it means that you're racing in the high hormone phase. And we also know that using an oral contraceptive pill for manipulation, you're leaving a lot of performance potential on the table. So mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I gave a, a keynote at a sports med conference here in New Zealand on the weekend and I'm like I am not a medical doctor mm -hmm. I am a female performance expert so from mm -hmm. the research 
I would not recommend women being on a oral contraceptive pill or hormone contraception because it affects adaptation and your ability to hit that high end so much mm. that you're leaving so much performance on potential on the table. Mm. But if you need to be on it for a medical reason, there are ways that we can work around it. Got it. So, you know, like using it to manipulate your cycle so that you aren't having your period on race day, you are leaving performance potential on the table. Okay. Well, that's good to know. That's good to know because I know a lot of women feel pretty blah during that time. So just, yeah. just have to... Yeah. So this is, where, this is where, you know, you're tracking and you're aware of how you feel. Then mm. we can look and say, okay, well, you feel flat and you're a few days before your period or your period starting, you feel awful. Well, let's put these things in the place. Let's put from a nutritional standpoint how we can expand, expand your plasma volume, how we can counter that blood brain aspect that's happening to give you brain fog. So there's specific things you can do to counter it. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah. Another question because you know that everyone's talking about this right now with different diets, with the keto and everything, fasting, intermittent fasting, and any type of fasting, and I know most of the people recommending it are doing based on like you know studies and research on men and how and they just sort of say, well, we're the same, women are the same. And I know a lot of my guys are have been dabbling with intermittent fasting, like the 12, 14, even 16 hours. And I know that's mm -hmm. not something you recommend. Does it change if you're like sort of not going through menopause and you are going through menopause? And what are your thoughts on 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 um, fasting? How much time do we have? Oh shit. <laughs> 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 We've only got a, probably one or two more questions, but... Okay, well, yeah. um, so when we look at intermittent fasting and ketogenic, the things about it that kind of irritate me that haven't been discussed is that they've taken it from a clinical population and just pulled it over to the sports world mm -hmm. or the fitness world. Mm -hmm. And there are critical things that are discussed. So we know that exercise in itself is a fasting state, right? And the things about exercise create the autophagy and everything that is purported to promote longevity when you do intermittent fasting. Yep. Now, when we look specifically at ketogenic and intermittent fasting for women, our responses are so vastly different from men. Mm -hmm. And the research is now coming out that shows that when women are doing intermittent fasting and they're doing fasted exercise, they are not going to uh, adapt very well because they're increasing inflammation that cannot be overcome nutritionally. Mm -hmm. They are um, creating an oxidative stress that, again, cannot be overcome from a nutritional standpoint. And the bottom line is they end up putting on more fat. And we also know that from the research, women do so much better from a metabolic standpoint and a body composition standpoint and an adaptation to high intensity when they go into training and exercise sessions. Okay. So when we look at the ketogenic diet, there's another layer where that when men are on the ketogenic diet, they activate more of their parasympathetic response. So they can relax. They can turn down. But for women, not only do we increase our visceral fat, we do not develop that insulin um, control, blood sugar control that men do. We also increase our risk for fatty liver disease. And then on top of that, it keeps our sympathetic 
nervous system. So we never relax. We never come down. We don't get into good sleep. Mm. And we remain anxious. Mm. So there's specific sex differences in these diets that, you know, when I look at the research and the outcomes, I'm like, no woman should be doing that. Wow. You know, it's funny because I started doing it and it worked for maybe a month or so. And then I went backwards and I was like, this is just not working for me. <laughs> so yeah. thank you for clarifying that. Yeah. And the other thing about those diets is they often hide low energy availability. So it's not that everyone gets into relative energy deficiency at sport or their periods is, you know, the big clinical aspect. But there's so many women that stay in that subclinical where they're not getting enough calories to support mm. training and health. And if you stay in that subclinical, then you're always going to have that residual fatigue and that body fat that just won't budge. And it's because you're not eating enough. And so what's the response when you have residual fatigue and body fat? Oh, I'm not training hard enough, right? Or I'm eating too much or I'm not sleeping exactly. well. But it's not that. It's the fact that you're not eating enough. You need to eat more. And you need to pay attention to when you are fueling around your training so that you can adapt and get rid of that belly fat. And you don't have that residual fatigue. Amazing. It makes total sense. I love that. Thank you, Stacey, so much. I have so many more yeah. questions, but I'm going to find a good one to finish on. Um, and I think I'm going to go with one of our coaches has asked this because she's been trying to get pregnant. Um, an ex-pro athlete for years, 20 years, she's one of the best in the world. Um, and she's saying that she really didn't get her period for 11 of the 12 months of the year. Um, and then as soon as she stopped, um, like retiring, she, she retired or stopped training, she got it. But is it too late? This is a pretty broad question. Um, and can it just go back to a normal cycle? So, no, it's not too late. So this is a misnomer. Like, we know amenorrhea is so prevalent in, in endurance sport. Well, pretty much every sport in the female athlete community. And you might have intermittent periods throughout your career, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're, that you're having ovulation. But this fits in that subclinical category that I was just talking about with energy availability. Mm -hmm. When you stop training and get your period back, there mm -hmm. are critical things that you need to know. Are you ovulating? Because if you're not ovulating and still getting a period, then it is going to cause a couple of fertility issues, obviously. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you are ovulating, then there's no reason not to be able to get pregnant. You don't have to go on fertility drugs. But again, we have to look and say, are you in energy balance? Um, are you having an ovulatory cycle? And there's this really fantastic book that one of my colleagues wrote. It's called No Period. Mm -hmm. And it's from Nicola Rossi, R-O-S-S-I. And she experienced amenorrhea. And it's a whole book discussing about the athletic woman who gets her periods back and the impact on fertility. So it talks about all of the ways that you can check to see if you are fertile or all the ways that you can become fertile if you're having an, an, an ovulatory cycle. And it's really easy to read and it's based on people's personal experiences as well as the research. Okay. Amazing. Well, they'll be very happy to know that. Thank you, Dr. Sims. Um, this has been absolutely amazing. I'd love to keep you on here for hours and hours and hours, and I can see questions popping up left, right, and center, but I'm not going to take any more of your time, and I would love my guys. I know if they wanted to find you, what would be the best thing to do? I know they can find you, Dr. Sims, on Instagram and Facebook. Is there anything else, um, any other socials they can find you on or website? Um, yeah, so my website is, is drstacysims.com. Mm -hmm. um, and we're building that up and we have an online course 
that starts tonight or tomorrow, oh. actually, that talks about all this stuff. And it sold out, um, though, yeah. didn't it? The first one did, yeah. It started again in January, so we'll just keep rolling it through because, you know, it's real important to get this information out and so that we can start um, getting our women to where they need to be, right? That's amazing. That's awesome. And so if anybody wants to sign up for that course, they just go to your website? Yep. Okay. Yep. Beautiful. And as a thank you from Siri and I, Dr. Sims, we would like to give you an honorary um, year's membership with our club. Um, we'd off, like to offer you a training program and coaching. I know that you probably put your shoes up, your triathlon shoes up, but if there's anything we can do, we're going to send you a little Team Series Tri Club package. Um, we're going to make you an honorary member of our club for the year. It's valued about $1,000, and we'd love to just have you on anytime we can. If you want to interact, it's there, and we'd just really love to thank you for being on uh, on our show. Oh, cool. Thanks so much. I'm excited now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so you're going to sign up for another that. race. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, I don't know if I'm a race ready, but, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I'm excited. And uh, if you have questions, Thank you so much. We're so grateful, and um, and we're here for you too. If you, Siri and I can ever do anything for you, um, please let us know, and we'll just keep spreading um, the word about your incredible book and what else you've got coming up online with your courses and everything like that. So thank you, Dr. Sims. Great. Thanks. And um, good fun. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye. Bye. Hi there, Cam here again. Thanks, Beck, and thanks, Stacey. I've put all Stacey's details in the show notes. And don't forget, if you want to join these chats live and ask questions, you can join the Tri Club at teamseriestriclub.com.